You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. Myself, Mamutzi, alongside me is always the three-time NBA champion. And it's a Monday, so you know what that means. Parking lot Perry. Mr. Scott Perry, former NBA executive in the house. I told you we we're going to make the nickname stick. I told you. This is week number three we're bringing it. If you touch down in London, that's what they're going to be calling you now, Scott. Okay. How's your weekend been? How's your weekend been, fellas? Boy, my weekend was going fine until uh, my Steelers took an L today. You know, I'm a big NFL fan and uh, big game today in Cleveland. Um, 10-10 late in the fourth quarter. And uh, they kick a field goal with the clock running out. So uh, that was a tough one to swallow today. And people that know me and know me well know I've been a lifelong Steeler fan. Yes. History with my family. So on Sundays... If I'm not working, that's the only time that I won't watch the Steelers, and then I'll just record them. But obviously, I was watching the live today, and so that's tough. So I'm just trying to get over that because we got to get ready for another one next Sunday. I'll, I'll give the listeners a little insight. The uh, recording schedule of this weekly episode depends on when the Steelers are playing. That's the only thing BJ told me <laughs> yeah, about Scott yeah. coming on the show. Because we can record whenever, just not when the Steelers are playing. BJ, how was your weekend? My weekend was beautiful. My Detroit Lions, my my first place Detroit Lions. Hey, 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 hey Scott, I'm say it one more time. Uh, no, our Detroit Lions, you know, our first place Detroit Lions did what they were supposed to do. We're headed into the uh, to the Thanksgiving holiday with uh, against. Uh, I think they play Green Bay on Thursday, yes. so uh, it's good. So I I got no complaints, Mo. You know, a little soccer this weekend with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I as you mentioned earlier, but when we was offline or, uh, you know, before we got online here today, that I need to bring them over to London. So maybe uh, if we got anybody that's listening, really ready to give uh, my seven year old some lessons. Oh, yeah, uh, we can we can do that. We can we can get it uh, get it going over there, you know. 100%, 100%. Well, you guys are busy with NFL. <laughs> I don't watch no NFL. I think my team by default, is the Patriots because I'm a Celtics fan. Not that I've ever watched an NFL uh, game, but I just look at the standings now and they seem to suck. So, you know what I'm saying? I think uh, I heard about this Tom Brady guy. I heard it's all falling apart without him. So I don't, I don't really know what to think about NFL. But we're going to talk some NBA here today on the podcast. And a big talking point this week was the Chicago Bulls and Zach Levine mutually agreeing to look for a new home for him. And this week, Jake Fisher broke the news of his preferred teams. There's a list of teams here. Okay. The Lakers, okay. Okay. the Heat, okay. the Sixers, the Kings, and a very interesting one here, the San Antonio Spurs. Now, fellas, hmm. of those teams that I just listed, where would you like to see Zach Levine playing out of his preferred destinations? God, I'll, I'll I'll let you I'll, I'll let no, you. No, it, I, you want me oh, to I, take it first? You yeah, go take yeah, it first. You take this okay. one first, because okay, I because well, I, I have some th- I, I have some more uh, broad based thoughts on. Well, on here this. here is my thoughts. As you as Mo has heard me say mil- a million times, and now our our listeners, there's the basketball business. Okay, great. He would prefer to go to, with the exception of, let's say the Spurs. He Which is for, insane, for, by the way, that when Benyama's effect has already started taking place, that all-star players want to go and play in San Antonio, apparently. Yeah, you could you could see his effect. With the exception of the Spurs, it's clear he wants to play on a winning team. Okay, check. All right, I get that. Now, let's take in the other part of this business. There's the business of basketball. Now, I think he has what about four years remaining on this deal? Is this the first year of a deal, Mo? Uh, yeah. Give it to me. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is the first year of yeah, of a of, of a five year of a five year a five year deal. Okay, so now let's look at the business here, which is the real business. I don't know how many teams right now are saying, you know, this is the commitment that they want to have with the player. Because when you start looking at a max player, there's two things that you have to that you have to say that goes. I mean, it's it's understood when you start paying a player a max player one, he's got to affect my bottom line. 
that player should at the very least be able to take his team to the play to the let's just say the playoffs. Okay. It is our job as an organization to put a team around to say we feel we have an opportunity to get to the conference finals. When you start handing out a max a max contract, that comes with the responsibility and accountability to that. Second, the other thing that's important is can he affect my top line? That means can he put people in the seats? There's a bottom line and then there's a top line. Now, when you start looking at these contracts, you have to know that once you make a commitment to that player and you make the wrong commitment to the wrong player, when I mean the wrong commitment, it doesn't work out for whatever the reason may be, whether it's chemistry, whether it's injury, whether maybe the player doesn't, isn't the player we thought he is or was, or was going to become when that happens. Now, suddenly that sets you back as an organization because there's really no way to recover and you have to get off of that contract as quickly as possible. And a lot of times what that means is someone has to be responsible for whoever, you know, whatever that, that recommended that contract. So I think here in this situation here, we're going to, I'm going to be fascinated to see who's going to step up to the plate here. And who's willing to accept that contract and view him as a player with those qualities that's absolutely necessary, especially in today's game, in the way when you are building a team. Now, Scott, I think, can speak better than I can about roster construction because there aren't many teams. <laughs> there aren't many teams that have Steve Ballmer here. <laughs> that's just saying, <laughs> well, just get the best player and we will absorb that and worry about chemistry and all things. We'll worry about those later. So with that saying, clearly something is going on there in Chicago. They call, if I remember correctly, Mo, they call a team meeting after the first game of this year. And now you can see where this is going because they have a very important decision to make. And that decision is what to do with DeMar DeRozan because whatever happens will affect DeMar DeRozan, whether they're going to say, we're going to, you know, just kind of patch this up and move forward, or are they going to go into a full rebuild? So I think there are a lot of decisions to be made here. Zach Levine, I think will probably be the big domino, which will say we're going left or we're going right. And it doesn't look like Lamelo, I mean, not Lonzo Ball is going to come back. And if he does come back, what are what's the fair expectations now that he's missed, what, two or three years? So I think there are a lot of decisions to be made here. But the big decision I'm going to be on the lookout for is to see what team is going to look at this Max player, absorb that, and try to build around him. That's going to be fascinating to see, knowing how key roster construction is if you're going to build a team under the current salary cap. When you look at the contract Zach Levine's on, that's the kind of money where you're really expecting like a number one option. But when I look at Zach Levine, as much as I have respect for his game, I don't really see him as a number one option on a contending team and maybe not even a number two option. He'd be ideal as a third option here. Um, however, at that kind of money, there's not a lot of teams, like you said, BJ, that would be able to pay him. Uh, without giving up a significant proportion of their depth in order to match the salaries. Scott, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to drill down uh, a little deeper on Zach and just kind of take you kind of behind the scenes in terms of how I, as a front office person of 23 years, would kind of look at it when I hear a guy's name like that. First, I study the player himself. No question that Zach Levine can score the basketball. He has proven that his nine years in the NBA, I know this is his 10th season. Um, he's shot the ball well. He's a career 38% uh, three-point shooter, explosive athlete. He has proven that he can score the basketball. Next thing that I look at that does he impact winning? Zach Levine has been to one playoff series in nine years. So he's played a total of four basketball games, four playoff basketball games. So now I say to myself, I'm looking at paying 40, this year, 43, 46, and 49 million in subsequent years for a guy who, uh, um, to this point, has not impacted winning to the level that his money says he should impact. 
So there's not a real match there, in my opinion. Now, as I look at the teams, and you bring up a good point, Mo, when you start talking about him as a third option, which I think is the best fit. You look around the league, two of the teams that he mentioned, the Lakers and Miami. So I start studying the fit there. You have in Miami, you've got Bam Adebayo, you've got Jimmy Butler as your lead two. They're solidified there. They just went to the NBA Finals a year ago. The kind of third guy out there for them has been a guy like Tyler Hero, who, you know, just signed to a bigger contract, good young player, similar to Zach in that he scores, but he's not the level of athlete. He's not the, the same explosive level of player. Could he? Could they take a guy like him? And, you know, they've got a, a big enough expiring contract uh, on their roster as well and send picks to get Zach in absorb him into that heat culture. I, I, I tell you, in my 23 years, I, I probably have as much respect for the Miami Heat organization as I do any organization in the league because you know what? Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, they are going to stick true to who they are. So whoever comes in there, you're going to have to adhere and be held accountable to what it means to be becoming a Miami Heat player. So if Zach is going to contribute to winning, they're gonna. He's gonna have to do it their way, and they could utilize again his exposure. So I could see that maybe as a potential fit. They've never see, been afraid of taking. They've never been afraid of taking a chance on cer certain talents like that because again they have great trust in their culture. Do you see them if they were to do a deal for Zach Levine moving Tyler Harrow, or would it be keeping Tyler Harrow and then moving? Uh, Duncan Robertson and Kyle Lowry, for example, to match up the contracts. Because then if you're left with Zach Levine and Tyler Harrow, are you playing Tyler Harrow a point guard? And then you've got two weak defenders in your backcourt. And if you move, you know, um, if you move Tyler Harrow, what's the gap between Zach Levine and Tyler Harrow that you're paying the extra 15 million a year for? Yeah, well, again, you just, if you think that Zach Levine, which I think, you know, he's more athletic, he's more explosive, and now you put him in his rightful role alongside Jimmy and Bam Adebayo. Because you got to remember, the Heat made a run last year throughout the playoffs, for the most part, without Tyler Hero. Now, I know he was good a couple of years ago in the bubble when they also went to the finals, and he, he played well then. So if they see him as an upgrade, and again, I don't know if they do or not, but I think that, uh, you know, again, you know, Zach's a little stronger. I can say he's, he's probably a, a stronger finisher at the basket. Um, so it, to me, it all comes down, can that little bit extra that Zach brings get them over the top? Because, again, this team was in the finals last year without Tyler Hero playing. I think you hold on to Duncan Robinson in, that, in this scenario because, again, Zach and, and, and Tyler would kind of – step on each other's toes, if you, if, if you will. But Duncan Robinson can do what he does. He can space the floor. He's an excellent cutter without the basketball. He doesn't need the basketball to make plays. And he's improved so a lot, tough. even when he has yes. it now this season. He's putting yes. the ball on the floor. And, and, and he is a little better, and I'll say this much, but he's a, he probably a little better team defender than what Tyler Hero is. And Because, again, when you're taking in Zach Levine, he is not known for his defensive prowess either. So, again, Duncan Robinson has figured out enough from a team defensive standpoint that you know, that's why you see him starting and staying on the floor and staying in their rotation. So, so Scott, let, let me ask you this. If you are partying, Scott, let's pretend you and I are GMs. And if I'm calling you, if I'm calling you, and saying, I'm going to offer you my third best player on my team for your first best player, your response would be what? <laughs> I, 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 I just want to know. I just want to know. If I'm saying, I'm going to give you, if I'm going to give you, I just, I just want to know your response. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Very valid point, Jay. I think the, the thing here, though, in this circumstance uh -huh. is okay. You're saying that Zach is the best player there in Chicago, and he may be. But I'm, but I'm saying, but what I'm saying to you is, okay, 
the best player you're trying to send me, he's only been to playoffs one time. I, I, I'm not, my, my, I'm not, my third, my I'm third not. best player has been to the finals. Twice. <laughs> he's younger. And, and he's making and, less money. And I just wanted to know money. what you thought. You don't have to yeah. convince me. I just wanted to know exactly. What you and, 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 no, but that's that, that that that's how I would frame that particular one. Look, every you know, you know, every deal is his own unique, has his own unique set of circumstances. So this one is unique in that way. I, I, I definitely understand your point. And just as a general rule of thumb, in a vacuum, if somebody's calling for your best player, mm-hmm. you want to be trying to get their best player back. I get it. I understand that. <laughs> well, the other team you mentioned was the Lakers, right? Um, mm-hmm. And for the Lakers, but, they don't have a ton of draft picks and whatnot left. They would have to make a deal around kind of D'Angelo Russell and then kind of Rui Hachimura. I don't know if they'd want to include Austin Reeves. Um, but if you're the Lakers, you're also looking at the Chicago Bulls and trying to figure out, like BJ and I discussed earlier this week, are they simply trading Zach Levine and then still trying to add pieces to add to DeRozan and Vucevic, or are they going to have a fire sale? Because if so, DeRozan is another player who's been linked with the Lakers and Caruso. We, we were texting about this earlier this week. Um, if you can share with your listeners your thoughts on Caruso as well, because I said, you know, the same way the PJ Tucker trade to the Milwaukee Bucks swung the championship that year in terms of adding that defense and that depth to the Bucks roster. I think if a contender was to go out and get Alex Caruso this year, he could make a big difference in the title race. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Lakers? Would they go in for Zach Levine or do you think they'd rather wait and see what happens with DeRozan and Alex Caruso? Well, one thing I want to say about the Lakers would has been true with the Lakers since I started watching basketball some 50, 55 years ago, the Lakers have always gone after big names, star names. That's a fact. And so Zach Levine is a big name in the NBA right now. And they have something, you know, I mentioned that talked about the heat culture, if you will. But when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, there's a clear one-two pecking order. So now you're bringing in, again, Zach, to me, in a great role to be that third guy, that third star. And, and Zach probably could carry them on more nights than anybody that they currently have on the roster, not named LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So that's one thing that they have going for them. You mentioned Chicago. If and when they trade Zach Levine, you've got DeMar DeRozan on an expiring contract. So they're gotta be asking themselves and what they're getting back in return, is it worth paying DeMar DeRozan another three years and let's say, you know, 60 to 80 million dollars total? I don't know, I think think if they do trade Zach Levine, my guess would be that they're gonna be looking to kind of start afresh, start anew, and, uh, you know, keep a few young guys around, a couple lower-priced veterans, and then just start trying to build through the draft. That's what so you're, would be my guess. So you're thinking they would probably try to identify a potential budding star that's on his rookie-scale contract. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, that's what I would try to find in, in the deal. Mm-hmm. If, if In the perfect world, again, I don't know – who that is right now, you know, again, the teams that you we're talking about, I don't right. know that they have that guy on their roster, but, mm-hmm. uh, but that would be your goal as you, you know, looked around the league again, he has his list, but then this is where you again, as a front office personnel, yeah, you like to work with players where they maybe list where they would like to go. But at the end of the day, you got to figure out what's going to be best for your, franchise moving forward because you only get one shot at making this deal with Zach Levine and you got to try to get as much back as possible. Well, let me float this idea to you. You guys are both Detroit natives. Um, A player that's been kind of confusing to start the season for me has been Jaden Ivey. You know, he's a former lottery pick. He's now coming off the bench in somewhat of a smaller role than last year. Um, The Detroit Pistons, they need some help shooting the basketball. A player like Zach Levine has a not so much playoff experience, but a lot of experience being in and around the league. 
Do you think there's a world in which Detroit could get involved in this deal and kind of accelerate their timeline and have Cade, Zach Levine, and Jalen Duran as that big three moving forwards? I think that would be tough from this standpoint. There aren't many executives that are going to trade within their own division. <laughs> okay. You, there, there aren't many. Normally, you're going to try to, if you're going to make a trade, especially with a top tier player like that, you're probably going to send them to the Western Conference, right? You, then that way you only see that player, you know, twice a year. In some cases, you might not even see them because they've already played. I think it's highly unlikely that Chicago and Detroit would <laughs> would make that trade right in the same division uh, with each other, the proximity, and knowing that they got to play each other, what, five five or so times, you know, uh, right there. So I don't see that one happening. However, you know, it's going to be interesting to see which team is really going to try to put together a package and to appease you know, that player, right? Because clearly you're going to make a commitment to Zach Levine. But however, I think Scott made an interesting point. It's going to be fascinating to see the direction of the Chicago Bulls because the Chicago Bulls have a huge decision to make. And this may be the domino that just, you know, triggers everything for them and say they're going to go on to a full now rebuild, which is we know it's going to take, you know, two, three four years to do once you make that commitment. So I think this is a, yeah, Zach Levine is going to go wherever he's going to go. However, I'm just really fascinated to see the team that's going to absorb this contract, but more importantly, what are the bulls going to do right now? Because the bulls are at a crossroad, no matter how you slice or the dice. And when your best player suddenly says we're in a mutual agreement. So this isn't something that just started yesterday. This is something that's probably been going on for a while. I think most of us in the league know that his name has been floated out there, whether it's been active or in, or you know inactive. You've, you've heard his name out there, but now it's going to happen, and we're going to see where this is going to go. And I think it's going to have an impact on the league because if or somehow he does get into a three-team trade or something like that, he could end up in a place that could really push someone over the top a place that we can't see right now. However, there's no question he's a very talented player, especially on the offensive end. And certainly in the right scenario, which you guys have both pointed out, I think he could be a very, very effective player that could affect Winnie if he's in his right role and his right place. In but again, that's a big if. Well, let me float one more you know, to you guys. I, just I, I was just going to add, Go BJ brought up a great point because I subscribe to this for 23 years and as a front office person, especially when you're trading your top player or one, or one of your top players, you are not trying to trade them within your division. You do not want <laughs> to see that guy four times out the year. You just don't. Um, and you do your best, if you can, to put him in the other conference. So guess what? If I see him in the finals, I can live with that. I'm okay with seeing him in the finals, you know, but I don't want to see him. I don't want to be looking up at him in my division. I don't want to be looking at him up in my conference if I can help. I, I don't know how many years it's going to be till the Bulls are in the finals. <laughs> I don't think you need to worry about that one. I mean, you take what, this is a couple of years ago now. One of the best trades that has really been a win-win has been this Halliburton and Sabonis trade. Mm -hmm. Both of these yes. guys... To me, that's when you're talking about trading guys and you move them from conference to conference, and that's a that's a best case scenario. So I don't know what that looks like, but but certainly I think that is an idea that that I well, think executives try to do, or they they at least consider that when they're making a big trade like the one they have to make there in Chicago. It's interesting. Yeah, a lot, a lot of I can't speak just, for everybody, but a, I can't speak for all. But I think a, a number of them do, and uh, mm -hmm. I know me personally. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the Kings because the Kings were one of the teams on the list, right? Uh, how would you feel about Zach Levine's fit in Sacramento? The trade would have to be something like Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter, and Davion Mitchell and some draft picks to match up their salary to go over to Chicago. So Chicago would receive the draft compensation. Davion Mitchell, who's a great young defender, one of the best perimeter defenders, you know, his size in the league. 
And then Kevin Hur and Harrison Barnes, they're players that contending teams could use so they could look to move them on in trades. Uh, how would you like the look of that in Sacramento, having a big three of Fox, Savonis, and Levine? Well, the style of play works. Mm-hmm. They want to play extremely fast. You know, obviously Zach can shoot the three, he can attack the rim. So he allows them to continue to play at the pace they're playing with. And I think he could play very effectively along Fox and Sabonis. The concern I would have about Sacramento, now you're really eating into my depth when you take those three guys out. So you you, you mentioned Herter. You mentioned uh, Barnes and Mitchell. Mitchell. So now you're getting into my depth. And, you know, in Mitchell, again, I'm not saying that, that Mitchell is the level of player that Zach Levine is, but he provides a certain level of toughness and defense that I think that that team still needs to add, not mm-hmm. subtract. And so that would be a little bit of concern of mine. And look, this guy hasn't been the all the multiple time all star that Zach Levine has been. But boy, that Malik Monk mm. plays very effectively for them in a similar style of play. Just that ex, you know, explosive guy who can you know, come to the gym one night and put 36 on the team. And it has, you know, tremendous uh, capability, you know, can get on great hot streaks. So I'm not crazy about what they may have to give up in terms of the death, because now if one of those guys get hurt, Fox, Levine, or Sabonis, now uh, that's gonna uh, to me that 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 could hurt their long term uh, perspectives. Hey Scott, let me as we were just talking. I'm just I have no idea. I haven't spoken to anyone, so this isn't a rumor. But let me ask you this: If you were an executive and you got this call, mm-hmm. and I'm just sending around the basketball of it. Clearly, you got to figure out. You know, we got to let the cap guys and yourself and then the rest of you guys figure it out. Would you consider on both sides, just from a basketball perspective, Zach Levine for Kaminga? Hmm. This is what I this was my <laughs> first thought when, when Zach Levine <laughs> traded. I said Zach Levine Clay for, Thompson and Kaminga. So you saying straight up. No, no, I'm just saying that those that, are that the centerpieces. Those, those, those are centerpieces. the centerpieces. And the reason I'm saying that is because we t- we were talking, yeah, and I was if, like, if, what if, yeah, young no, player. If, if, yeah, yeah. If I'm Chicago, you know, assuming that I'm going to get some picks and whatever back with it, mm-hmm. you might have to take a look at it because again, you got to take a look at something like that. Okay. You got, you got to take it. You got to consider. You can't look. Obviously, Kaminga hasn't had the breakout year per se, but you can see this guy now. That he's getting more of an opportunity playing better basketball, basketball. and you, you, you ask yourself. When you get that phone call, okay, if we bring him into our environment and mm-hmm. get this guy 35 minutes, can he get me 20 points, yeah, seven, eight rebounds? Well, this is what I said. And that when would lead, and that would lead to winning. That's a great, you know, that's a great exercise. And that's the kind of thing, you know, as an executive, you're doing really each and every day, even if I don't get that call, you start you looking around, okay. Well, who are the young players around here, around the league? that maybe we could get in a deal for Zach Levine. I think if you're Chicago, that's- You got to look at that, right? You got to look at that, right? Because I don't think you're looking at getting the veteran player back and saying, okay, this veteran player is going to come back and we're ready to win. I think Chicago has many more problems than just the Zach Levine issue. Well, I said this, was it last week or the week before, BJ? I said, Clay Thompson, Kuminga, and some picks for Zach Levine. Clay Thompson's having a horrific season. They can't seem to come to a contract extension with him. His contract will expire this summer. Kaminga is the young piece you could build around. If you throw in a draft pick or two, that sweetens the deal for the Bulls. For the Warriors, you now get a second scoring option alongside Steph Curry, seeing as none of his teammates seem capable of putting the ball through the hoop this season so far. What would you think about that deal if you were the Golden State Warriors? And what would you think about that deal if you were the Chicago Bulls? Well, again, you know, the Warriors have made it clear that, you know, those three guys or their big three guys are 
you know, the, those guys have been together. They've won, what, four championships together. However, you know, these are things you have to consider. You know, when a player like Zach Levine becomes available, you have to consider what that could look like on your team financially, what would be the effect of that. And more importantly, what's the impact on winning? Because the winning is what you're doing. Now, the one thing with the Warriors right now is they don't have a, they don't have a lot of depth. So I'm not sure just for, you know, though you're giving up two players to get one blacker. I don't, I don't know that. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would think that the Warriors right now are looking for depth because they are literally an injury. Now they have a suspension right now where they don't have enough rotational players to really maybe get into the top eight. So for them, yeah, you got to look at it. However, I would think right now they have to really begin to look at, they're going to have to accumulate or acquire depth. They have to get some players that can really give them some punch, some pizzazz, some moxie coming off that bench. We can't just keep looking at their first five. Steph Curry and these guys, they're all in their 30s right now. And as you know, as you're putting together a team, those guys' ability to recover in your 30s, especially at that lead guard position, as great as Steph Curry has been, let me tell you something. Smaller players, they they are affected at a it, – it happens much faster for a smaller player than a taller player. So at some point here, Steph Curry, as great as he is, I know he's in phenomenal condition and all of that's well documented. We're going to have to figure out how to play him and get him through this 82-game schedule because you can't keep just doing this because this team right now looks as if they are one play away from this all going away because of the age of their team. They have no depth. I mean, up until like a week ago, Mo, they didn't have a player that scored over 20 points other than Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Now, these are things we have to consider. But again, if they do stay healthy, which they did a couple years ago, and they get the right and the, you know, the ball falls in the right place and you need a little luck, you might win a championship. So it's a fine line in here. However, I, I don't know a coach or an executive who doesn't want depth. And right now, that's a major concern for this team because you're going to sacrifice playing your veteran players more minutes in the regular season, which is going to have some effect on them at some point during the course of the playoffs as they extend, hopefully, beyond the first and second round. Scott, what do you think of my deal? Rate my GM skills. What do you think of that deal for the Warriors and the Bulls? <laughs> well, I'm going to rate your skill in that it gives you something to think about. So anytime you hear about a deal that, that <laughs> it's cause for contemplation, Mo, I'm going to give you a solid B for that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we could be on that. That's a good start foundation. Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah, I'm going to give you a solid B. But I think one thing you got to um, consider though, if you're golden state and you know, the name Jonathan Kaminga has come up, they know what he can do better than anybody else around the league. Cause they've been with this guy in practice for the last three, four years. They've taken uh, a great role in his development. And so when BJ talks about, you know, again, their big three all being 33, 34 plus in age, man, it, it's hard to let a young guy out of your building. If Again, I don't know to what degree they value and like Kaminga, but I've seen signs of him that indicates that he has a chance to be a very good NBA player. You got to, you got to take that into account. Do I want to let that guy go out of my building after putting three to four years? And unless the only way I'm going to consider doing that, if I believe that getting a Zach Levine is going to push me closer to getting to the conference finals and finals. And that's the question they got to be able to, to answer. Well, speaking of teams that want to push to the conference finals and finals, um, whether or not it's realistic, the LA Clippers, it's time to talk about them again. I dream of oh. a world where we don't have to talk about them every week, but here we are. 
uh, with more Clippers talk. Russell Westbrook this week, uh, Chris Haynes reported that he has volunteered to come off the bench in order to smooth the process of James Harden getting acclimatized with the team. Uh, this led, led to them picking up their first win with James Harden on the roster against the Houston Rockets. And James Harden hit that huge three at the end of the game to score that win. Um, whether or not the referees missed a blatant foul by Kawhi Leonard, which would have actually lost the Clippers that game, that's besides the point. They got the win. Um, how do you think that this move and Russ volunteering to go to the bench, which in my opinion showed great leadership, um, is going to affect the Clippers' season? And now do you think they're going to use this win to springboard and move forwards? Mo, you took the, the phrase, the word out of my mouth. First thing I thought about was what leadership on the part of Russell Westbrook? Now, you know the competitive that that guy has been his entire career. In his heart, he really doesn't want to come off the bench, but he's looking at this situation and saying, you know what, there's nothing more important than winning. And he is going to raise his hand and step forward because he knows he he's, he's, he's played the role. You know, obviously James Harden was the sixth man to him uh, when he first started his career years ago in OKC. But there's been a lot of basketball and a lot of circumstances that have happened between that, between then and now. Um, so Russ is saying, okay, James probably wouldn't want to do that. And, he, and in my opinion, James at this point of his career, and he may, they may not want to hear this, but the way he plays the game and the pace he's playing he would be terrific coming off the bench with the, the second unit because you could just let him go and he still could go get you 20, 25 a game coming off the bench. And just because he's coming off the bench doesn't mean he's not going to close the game. I think that's the key. A lot of times with players, who's going to close the game? Russ in with the Lakers, people criticized him a lot when he came off the bench and didn't think he didn't play that well. Again, he was over 30, well, I don't know, he's about 32 years old, 33 years old when he was coming mm -hmm. off the bench with the Lakers. The, the, a lot of miles on him. But he still averaged 16, 8, and 6 or 7. I mean, that that's pretty good numbers coming off the bench. So I, I think he mentally now, he he understands how to play coming off the bench a little bit. He can energize that second unit. Now, do I think it's going to solve all of their issues and problems. No, I think they still lack some size uh, up front, uh, especially in, in, in the depth department. And defensively, I still got to see how much James Harden is willing to engage as a starter night in, night out to really make the kind of deep run that their resumes say they should make. But uh, again, resumes don't play the game. The people that uh, are playing the game right now. So I got to see it. What stands, haven't seen it yet. What stands out to me about James Harden is the lack of free throws he's attempting in his games now compared to earlier in his prime when he was with the Rockets. And the amount of times he's actually driving to the hoop to try and dunk or lay up the ball is significantly less. Now, you can look at this and say, well, he didn't have a training camp. He didn't have a preseason. He's still getting in shape. However, that's decreased every single season in the last few years. So I agree with what you're saying about him aging and coming off the bench. But BJ, do you think he's ever going to get that step back? Not, not the step back, but his step back, you know, to be able to explode to the basket again and get back to being the James Harden we saw in Houston? Or are those days behind him? Well, I, I think it's the one thing that I, I, I've seen with James Harden this latest, you know, all-star caliber player. When you start, excuse me, when you start going out to other teams and you start getting traded and you start moving, there is a rhythm that you're going to have to figure out with each team. You know, James has gone from a, team, a, a player that – in Houston, the one that we saw in Houston, where he was the first, second, third option in that offensive thing that they were doing down there with D'Antoni. Suddenly, when you go and you start playing with other players, the one thing, Mo, that I, I've learned over the years is that when I watch people practicing, and you and I, I make fun of this all the time, everyone's grinding and shooting and doing what they're doing in the in the gym. And I always ask the question, I, I played with a couple of guys who could score. Why was I in there working on my step back? 
for what? <laughs> because I knew that guy was going to get 30 shots a night. Okay. Believe it or not, Mo, and I wasn't the greatest defensive player. Scott has known me my whole life. I had figured out a long time ago, Mo, because I was a point guard my whole life. My whole life. Not, I didn't start playing the position when I got to college or the NBA. I was playing that my whole life. I had to learn how to do what 99.9% .9 of all players in this league are going to have to learn how to do is learn how to play without that ball in their hand. Uh, that's a fact. Now, we all come in with the same idea. We are, we were the star players. Very rare do players at this level defer to another player. Yeah. It's very rare that you just come in and defer to them. You got to earn that spot. Okay. So let's look at James where he's been. So he goes to Brooklyn. Was he really the best player on that team? Um, Availability-wise, yeah. Talent-wise, maybe not. Okay. When he went to Philly, was he the best player on that team? No. He's in the Clippers. He's the best player on that team. Nope. Nope. It's not taking away anything James has done. James has been MVP 30-something, da-da-da-da-da-da. All the Last year, he led the league in assists, by the way. So let's give him his credit. However, when you start going to these teams, now you start looking at roles, expectations, who's deferring to who. You know, Kawhi Leonard, you know, he can say it. Paul George, I'm sure, is like, wait a minute, hold on. He was an all-star last year. I Russ, think Paul George may have been their best player so far this season. Yeah, Russ is like, you know, Russ is not deferring to anyone. That Say what you want to about Russell Westbrook. He's not deferring to anyone, okay? And this is why you got to give him the respect, because you know what Russell was really all about as a competitor, and this is why you got to love him. You may you could say whatever you want to say, which is fair play about whatever you want to say about him. However, we have acknowledged him this here with him over the years. He competes and he shows up at 7:30 each and every night. And he shows you again what you've heard his teammates say about him. He's an excellent teammate and he's just about winning. Now, you can argue about the other stuff, but no one can argue that about Russell Westbrook. And here's another example of what Russell Westbrook is really all about. So this situation with James Harden, I think is going to be unique is because once you start moving on a different team, your role automatically changes. The spacing on the floor automatically changes. The touches of the ball automatically changes. James Harden Will he catch some nights? Is he possible to get 30 attempts maybe here, even with this team? Do I think he's going to consistently do that? No, that's not happening. And they're expected to win here. There's a difference. The, the biggest thing I learned in my course of playing in this league is there's a difference between playing on a mediocre team, a bad team, and a championship caliber team. And all of that shakes out. Why do you Some rate the Clippers players, on that scale right now, though? The Clippers right now are a championship caliber team that's expected. I'm not saying they're playing at a championship caliber level. However, they're marketing themselves that we feel we have a chance. And that's all you can do. Some would argue before this trade was made that they were the best team in the state of California. Some would. Some would argue that. Some, yeah. You know, the Clippers, Lakers, Clippers fans are walking around with their chest stuck out right now. Okay. Golden State, the the the, the Kings up there in Sacramento. So there are a lot, there are a lot of things going on. However, no one can argue this. You don't make a trade for James Harden and give up what you gave for him. Talking about we're just trying to get to the playoffs. You got four Hall of Fame players. <laughs> Maybe uh, you got four Hall of Fame players. So the expectation is clearly here. Now, can they bring it all together? Someone's going to have to do more than just saying, I want to go to the bench.
because those guys got to figure out how to play with one another. But more importantly, they got to figure out how to win because that's what they were all brought here to do. And right now, you know, other than their last game, it's been a tough go at it for them. Um, But but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, no, those are all fantastic points. I, I just would add, when you make a move like that, to me, internally and externally, the expectations at minimum is conference finals. <laughs> That's the expectation. And you got to own them. Internally, you got to own them. Each of those players got to own it. Coaches, front office, everybody's got to own it. And so they, they've they got a couple months to really figure this out because they can't dig too deep of hope because you did That's too right. deep of a hole, then you, you, won't, you won't get there. Absolutely. Well, we're going to see how the Clippers fares the season progresses, but it's that time of the week where I ask you guys for a player or a team that you're keeping an eye on this week that mm. is intriguing you. BJ, who are you looking at this week? I'm looking at the first place, Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm looking. I'm looking to see, are they for real about this and are they going to take the next step to let everybody know no we just didn't have a good first part of the season but we're here you know cat anthony edwards who now in my opinion has stepped into the superstar realm (laughs) and he's a top five player in this league now i think he is a dominant player on both sides of the ball, Rudy Gobert, what he does, and they've put together now a start of the season where you're saying, I don't know if I really want to see these guys in a playoff series. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing for them early in this season. Let's see, can they continue it here? I think the month of November will be a really, you know, it'd be telling for them. Did they just start off well or are they serious? I think they could really make a statement here to where everyone says, you know what, that's maybe a team I don't want to see because then this team right here can gain the confidence that it needs if they're going to advance past the first round because I'm liking what I'm seeing early from this group. Well, they've got the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Kings all on the agenda for this week, so that's going to be a nice little test for them. Scott, what are your thoughts on the Timberwolves and their hot start to the season so far? Boy, I like what I'm seeing there. Anthony Edwards has um, really cemented himself as one of the game's top players right now. And he's taking on a leadership role. And what I really like, everybody likes, loves to focus on his offense and tremendous offensive player. Uh, you know, he was that first time I ever saw him uh, as a high school player. But he gives you an effort defensively too. And he wants to match up against the top rim of the guys out there. He wants to take that challenge. So that's infectious. Uh, uh, with your team. Uh, You know, Towns is starting to play well. Rudy Gobert has settled in now. I think, you know, initially, you know, a year ago, the the pressure that came with him going to Minnesota when they gave up four or five draft picks for him, what people thought was so absorbent. I think he he wore that weight on his shoulders a little bit. Now that's that story and that that storyline has kind of dissipated and, and he is doing the things that he was, he's very capable of doing and he was doing at a high level uh, when he was in Utah. So I like their team. They've faced some early challenges uh, this season and have performed well. The Minnesota Timberwolves, um, BJ, they're absolutely terrifying me right now. Uh, Number one, over the last five games, Carl Anselms has been playing fantastic basketball after I said that they should trade him. And number two, (laughs) um, I know it's super early, but if they keep playing like this, there is a world where if things shake out in their favor, they could be in the conference finals. They could even be in the NBA finals. You know, we've seen teams make it, you know, an injury to an opponent here and there or a favorable matchup here and there. And if they were to make it to the conference finals or the finals, I'm really scared that I'm going to look really stupid for making all those jokes about Rudy Gobert over the years. So uh, <laughs> the Timberwolves have got me living in a state of perpetual So is this fear. about you or is this about the league? Which one Everything's is this about? Everything's about me. Come on, welcome oh, okay. to the show, right. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who tells me it's your world. It's your, exactly. It is your world. It is your world. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, you know. But aside from that, Aside from that, their defense is absolutely fantastic. I think a player that goes under the radar is Jaden McDaniels and what he's yes. doing 
Um, yes. He's absolutely Good fantastic God. with what he's bringing. Um, mm-hmm. But then he's has he got his contract extension or is he going to sign his contract extension? I don't know how many more years this team has together because you're paying Gobert, you're paying Cat, you're paying Ant-Man, and then you're paying the Jaden McDaniels extension. In a small market like Minnesota, do you think they're going to be forced to move one of these pieces just for the financial side of it? Well, if this, if this team goes to the conference finals or finals, that'll that'll help pay some of that potential tax bill. So mm. they might keep those that, that group together. So I think you just kind of kind of wait and see how that plays out. Uh, I wouldn't get uh, I would enjoy what I have now with this group and to see what this group can maximize. And then you just go figure out the financial part. Now, again, if they fall short, they get bounced in the first round. Now, uh, I think that becomes even more of a, a, a real discussion, real issue. And then you got a, a decision to make on who you may want to move out. But if you're a Final Four or Final Two team, uh, you're making a lot of money when you go, you get into those rounds. Well, Scott, who is the team or the player that you're keeping an eye on this week? I'm going to stay in the Western Conference. Okay. And I'm going to go to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I've been, you know, they just All won game two, win streak they, as we're recording yeah, this. Yes, and they just won, you know, that the the new back to back series that teams have now is Golden State hosted them uh, for well, two half, half of Golden State. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it wasn't, but to win on the road like that, and the way they won last night, yes, and you know, uh, showed me a lot. They were in control of that basketball game, and look, Shea Gilgis Alexander is playing phenomenal basketball. He, like Anthony Edwards, is a, you know, a guys who have just really risen to the top of the league, and now they got to be in conversations, you know, each and every year for one of the All NBA teams. And Shea is doing it at both ends of the floor. He had a big time block last night against Steph at, a, at a, a crucial moment of the game. But the young man I want to watch, and we've he, he's a rookie, even though this is his second season out of school, and that's Chet Holmgren. Mm. You know, and he showed me something last night. There was a good um, sneak peek for me into his character and who he is as a competitor. You know, like I said, they were in control of the game, about a minute left. The last three possessions for uh, for uh, Oklahoma City, Chet missed a very makeable shot on the inside, kind of short arm the shot. Uh, Golden State comes down, makes a basket. Next time down, Chet has the balls, holding it too long, shot clock violation, passed late, didn't want to take the big shot. Boom, that sets up the opportunity for uh, Andrew Wiggins to go hit another three and put Golden State up by three. But then when I saw that young man catch that basketball beyond the three, catch, turn, and shoot it with supreme confidence to send that game in overtime, and then they controlled the overtime period. That was a big growth moment for me when I see there with a young player. So I want to watch this week. Does he himself, along with the team, because I know uh, Oklahoma City does a great job of really stressing that team value, but how does he continue to build on that and grow? And can he be a guy, along with Shea Gildress, Alexander, moving forward? You got a really, is that a really a potent one-two punch that will eventually put the Oklahoma City in the conversation for being a uh, again a Final Four team in this league and maybe one day making the finals. So, uh, really want to watch him this week and, and just and, and continue to uh, track his growth. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like the narrative now, a lot of fans, a lot of media are talking about. Okay, cool. Chet's the Rookie of the Year because he's winning a bunch of games, and it's like a reflection on how situational the NBA can be. Because Victor on that Spurs team hasn't got the same infrastructure around him in terms of all those pieces that we're talking about, the great young players all around him. So it's going to be interesting to see how that race shakes out. For me, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference. There's a few teams i got my eye on. Number one, you guys in Detroit are on an 11-game losing streak. Hey, hey, um, hey, hey, hey. Be easy, hey, Mo. Hey, easy. Hey, Mo. Um, be easy. Be easy now, Mo. I Mo. mean, I said the Wizards are the worst team I've ever seen, but somehow you guys are below the Wizards in the standing. So we're going to need to fix that real quick. 
Uh, hopefully, you know, you can get some guys healthy again and you can get going again. Um, the Cavs have got healthy and they and they picked up a, a really good win over the Denver Nuggets uh, tonight as we record this. But a team I'm looking at is the Orlando Magic, who have won their last three games. Um, a team who I should have mentioned earlier in the Zach Levine conversation, because you've got two building blocks there with Paolo and Franz, who look like they're going to be future all-stars, kind of at that three and that four position. Uh, Wendell Carver is obviously when he's there is a great option at the five but then adding an experienced guard like Zach Levine um, they've got a bunch of young players that they can move to the Bulls who are looking to rebuild Jalen Suggs has really impressed me with his defense but the Orlando Magic is an intriguing team right now they're sitting at fifth in the Eastern Conference I know it's very early but what are your thoughts on the Magic so far? I've been impressed with uh, watching the Magic. I actually watched them uh, tonight before I recorded uh, uh, some against Indiana, and they went into Indiana, who had been uh, playing pretty good basketball, and they handled them. I mean, very well. Uh, I've got to give a quick shout-out to the coach there, Jamal Mosley. I think he's done a terrific job Mm, bringing along so many young players at once. That is a that's hard to do. Tab. That is mm-hmm. extremely hard to do in this league, and you got to give him tremendous credit for uh, for what he's doing there. Uh, you mentioned Vanchero uh, and, and Franz Wagner, and they they have some depth there. Again, they may not be that star depth or star player like a Zach Levine, but there are enough players there that can uh, they get contributions on different nights from different guys, you know, and it's, and mm-hmm. Markel Folk still hasn't played much yet this year, who's mm-hmm. would be a regular starter for them. So, I, you know, coming into the season, I thought uh, them, you know, last year, uh, one of my things uh, as an executive with, with a team like that, you want to be playing meaningful basketball throughout the season. I think now this year, that team is looking and saying, Hey, we got to figure out uh, at minimum, to be in the top eight in this in this Eastern Conference, if not push for a top six seed, and uh, I think they've got a, a chance chance to do it. What about you, BJ? What are your thoughts on Orlando? I like what I see because I see growth with this team, and I'm starting to see them consistently put up a good fight, especially on the road. That's a tough game down there when you go down there to Orlando. Why? Because I I. I'm beginning to see with this team that they feel that they can win at home. And that to me is always the first sign with a young team. You want to defend home court and they're beginning to do that. I like what, I I like what the coaching staff has done. Jamal Mosley, I think he's done an exceptional job because he's had so many young players to develop and you can see they've all taken their turn in their moments in their growth and development. Now what you want to see is consistently see them do this game in and game out. And you're beginning to see them have, you know, wins on the road now, in addition to playing at home. That's a tough team because of the way they play. And you know what? If they keep going on the pace that they're going, those Wagner, uh, the brothers, and 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 Carl, it was it Cole's? Uh, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes. Those guys are what they're doing. So I, I like what they're doing. I think they have a good foundation and scott i think is correct they have depth now it's figuring out who's going to be the core of this depth and then maybe try to add to that whether that means moving a player maybe you know adding another piece of that in free agency whatever it is they're going to do but i like the position that they're in right now because you know what? It's hard when you start having a lot of young players, but somehow they've managed to do it. And all of these guys have shown that they're going to be good players in this league for many years to come. Yeah, and, and Mo, I think they've got, to BJ's point, I think they've got six home games in a row coming up mm-hmm. here starting this week. And that will be huge because if they can uh, protect that home court, if they can go five and one or even six and old. Oh, now they, they establish themselves and, and create some distance and separation maybe in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, they've got the Nuggets, they've got the Celtics. It's going to be a tough week for them. Um, but then it gets easier because they've got the Hornets and then the Wizards back-to-back. So 
they can rack up some wins there no matter what happens in the other two games but that's been another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast Scott thank you for your time once again we see you shining out there uh, making a debut on ESPN and yes you know, yes. we're looking forward to seeing more so you guys tap in with Scott when he's on the big networks but he's in there you know this is all, always part of me right here the Hoop Genius right here you know, this, this, this is home base for me Yes, sir. I gotta represent yes, sir. home base. You're part of family now. BJ, appreciate exactly. you as always. And uh, we'll be appreciate back tomorrow you. with more. Uh, Scott will be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcast from. And most importantly, get buckets.